I've got some really exciting news. Our operating partners on the commercial multifamily space have agreed to invite new investors into some of our future deals. We are proud to bring these institutional style opportunities to investors within our community. In order to have access to these investments, you have to sign up at theinvestormindset.com slash invest. And we have thousands of people who listen to the podcast, and we typically only allow 50 people to invest in each deal. So make sure you head over there right now, because once we send out the email announcing our next deal, it'll likely be sold out and oversubscribed. So get started at theinvestormindset.com slash invest, and I look forward to seeing you on the inside. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Steven Pesavento. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. If you want to be an expert in anything, you need to figure out exactly what your unique ability is. What's the one thing that you absolutely are the best at that you should put all of your time, effort, energy into growing? Well, in today's episode, we talk about that and more with Chris Chico, who is one of the world's most well-known experts in virtual wholesaling, going out and finding deals direct to seller all over the country. And in today's episode, we're going to dive into some of those strategies that have been working well for him and how we ended up getting to this point of realizing, picking one specific thing, marketing and working with other experts to pull all the pieces together and how you can do the same. It's an inspiring episode and you're not going to want to miss it. Let's get to it. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am extremely excited today. I have Chris Chico in the studio. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Excited to be here with you. So thanks for having me on. Yeah. And as you guys know, Chris Chico is one of the early real estate coaches and he is focused on virtual wholesaling, virtual real estate investing, where you can do deals literally from your laptop, from anywhere, from start to finish. And he streamlined that method into fully integrated system he calls the virtual wholesaling method. And uh, he's shifted and modified that over the years. And we might get into some of the specifics here, but we're really going to be diving into, you know, what does a veteran like Chris think is happening, you know, right? right now in the market. What are some of the things that he's applying himself and how does he think about these things? So we're going to dive in right now. Are you ready to go, Chris? I am ready to go. Let's do I, it. I love it. I love it. So if we start out by taking a look back at your life, what events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? What influences? Um, you know, I think probably uh, that's, that's a good question. I think probably not having money was one of the big influences. Because I grew up in Puerto Rico, and uh, when I left Puerto Rico, I left when I was uh, three years old, uh, in third grade. And when I left Puerto Rico, we had just gotten we 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 had just gotten a uh, uh, running water inside the house. So we, whenever we took a shower as a child, I remember we had to go out to another uh, outside uh, structure in order to take a shower. I remember getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and uh, we had to go to the outhouse and and kind of watch uh, wait for the cockroaches to scurry along. And, and so for me, um, when I came to Connecticut uh, and then eventually made my way to South Florida, I never really had any money. So for me, childhood was painful from that perspective because like, I, 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 feel, I felt like I was missing out on certain things. And then also, I, you know, I saw that, hey, my parents were struggling. 
and, and, and certain things, finances would have made them better. So for me, you know, a pain point was, uh, was, uh, was the money, was the lack of money and the desire to go get some. Yeah. And would you ever let yourself go and live in that environment again or let your kids, your family live there again, Chris? No, I mean, I, I, you know, I always think about that is I, I think about my daughters, I have two daughters and I think about the life that they live and, and and certain things that they are used to. And they don't know the reality of what happens if you don't have those things. But, you know, I think about, um, you know, I think about kids who don't have that. You know, I think about kids who, you know, uh, go to bed at night uh, hungry and who, who lack a, a lot of the things that we're grateful for. And so for me, it's, it's, that's one of the things I always think about is that I, I'm doing this not only for me, but I'm doing it really most importantly for my family and the people around me because I want them not to, not to have the same, uh, not to suffer through the same thing I did when it comes to money. Well, it ends up creating a heck of a motivation, right? When you live in an environment like that, you can even look at things from two directions. You can either say, because I grew up like this, I can't have anything better. Or because I grew up like this, there's no choice for me but to go and build a better life. And it's clear that you definitely went with the latter and have created one heck of a life for you and your family. Yeah, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about that is that it uh, that motivation for money, though, however... It has the potential to, you know, there's a, there's a particular model of achievement, right? Model, two, there's two models of achievement. One model of achievement is that do have B model. If I do all these things, then I'll have these things. And then finally, I'll be that person that I always wanted to be. So in other words, it goes, well, hey, if I make all this money, uh, if I do all these things, right? Grow the business, go out and, and, and do all these things. I'll finally have money. And when I finally have money, then I'll finally be that person I've always wanted to be. And for a long time, that was me. And then uh, what ends up happening is that then that's, that's where you hear the stories of all these Hollywood actors and these people that are really successful. At the end of, and at the, at the end of the day, they're really miserable because they, you know, it's like having that ladder up, a wrong, uh, up, up, up on the wrong wall versus the model of achievement of, of the be, uh, be, do, have model, which is, you know, if I become that person today, then I'll be able to do anything I, anything I want to do. And I'll finally have everything I want to have. But the being comes first. So to a certain extent, it was good. It was a good driver, but it's also one that could get you into trouble because then it, it, it's, a, it, it's the opposite, I think, of what, what the right model of achievement should be. Oh, I love that. That is a huge thing, you guys. I hope that you'll rewind that and listen to that again, because when you can come from a place of who you have to be in order to do the things and therefore to have the life and things that you want, it's a much better model. What was it that made that shift happen for me, for you to realize that that was a better model of living? Or what was that moment that you kind of realized, oh, wow, well, I've got a lot of things. I've been focused on the money, but now I need a shift that focus. I mean, I, mean, I think it's, it, it, it's different for everybody. I think internally, it's always a, a feeling of, oh, I thought that this success was going to feel a little bit different, right? Because then if, you, if you hinge your success on, hey, um, you know, it could be anything simple from, hey, I want to have all success and, 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 and I want to drive a fancy car and live in a nice house or whatever that end goal that you put in place, then I think you, you just end up realizing it in the sense that, it's not what you thought it was going to be. And, or then does that, there's, there's that always shifting horizon. You know, if you think about the analogy of the horizon, if you know, it, the horizon is always in front of us, but never, never, uh, you can never reach it. It's always perpetually shifting, right? No matter how close you get to it. And I think that if you uh, have that, the wrong model of achievement, then you just end up always chasing, always working, and never really uh, having that sense of fulfillment. And I think, I don't know how, when I realized it, I, I don't think it's a, uh, 
I can't remember when, but I think it was definitely through the use of mentors and uh, people that I, uh, that I have as mentors in the past that made me realize that. And then, you know, just started to shift the model. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. It's, it's one of those things where I'll find myself falling back into that place of thinking, what do I have to do in order to, you know, have the things that I want and start being the person. But when you can just break that up, when you can have that moment of checking yourself and bringing yourself back, that's really, really strong. So tell, tell us, tell the listeners here a little bit about your background in real estate and what your primary focus is as an investor. When did you actually start doing real estate, Chris? Well, I mean, I, I ended up starting real estate as an agent. Uh, initially, I went to college, I dropped out of college, I went to work as a real estate agent. I was horrible as a real estate agent. Uh, I'm a horrible salesperson, even though you and I can have a really intelligent conversation and you think, oh my God, if Chico was trying to sell someone, he'd be great at it. I'm not because uh, I'm, I, I procrastinate and uh, I, I will organize my CRM and my lead uh, system all day long and never call anybody. So uh, I'm not the, not the right type of personality for sale. So I ended up going back to college, got a degree in accounting, and then went back to the workplace and within six months realized that I, I, it wasn't for me. And then went back into real estate, again, to give it one more shot. And then what ended up happening is that by, by luck, I had a friend of mine that was uh, in charge of selling uh, uh, properties for the banks once they got them into uh, foreclosure. And so he got me in as a real estate agent helping them. And that was great for me because, again, I tend to be more mechanical in nature, more systems oriented. And that was very much a systems oriented type of business versus the general public. And then eventually the guy that was buying most of my deals when I was an agent, he said, hey, why don't you come work for me and I'll teach you the ropes. So I went to work with him for a year. I did about 55 transactions in a year for him. I didn't make that much money. He made most of the money, but he gave me the experience of 55 deals. If you think about to do 55 deals, you have to look at how, you know, how, many, how many deals you have to look at to do 55 deals. So I got a lot of experience condensed. And then what ended up happening is that then I saw that the banks were not getting as many foreclosures because as the values rose, then that means that the banks were getting less and less inventory. And that's when I decided to go out and try and find private owners that were willing to sell their property at a discount. And that led me to the, to the uh, I always think about pivotal moments. You know, you always think about pivotal moments in your life. And one of the pivotal moments was me deciding to, uh, to go with the investor that said, hey, why don't you come work for me? And another pivotal moment was when I decided to, uh, when I just happened to come across a guy by the name of Dan Kennedy, who teaches direct response marketing. And I picked up a book, which I always highly recommend, called The Ultimate Sales Letter by Dan Kennedy. And that's the book that I use in order to learn direct response marketing. And that skill, I always think about, you know, valuable skills that you can learn that will, take, that will carry on throughout your lifetime. And that's one of those skills, the ability to, uh, you know, I'm not a great salesperson. Like say, if you, you hire me to call and call people, I mean, you'd be like, Chico, get, get out of here. You're not calling anybody. You're just sitting around all day, like fiddling around. Uh, but I know how to sell like in print and I know how to sell like in, in a different way. And uh, that could be applied to anything, but you know, that's how I learned direct response marketing. And I was doing postcard marketing for the most part for many, many years. And then, you know, realized that and started to think about the fact that everybody's online. You know, my, my, when, I, when my mom said that she had a, a phone and she was on Facebook, I said, you know what? Maybe property owners are probably online. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then I studied Facebook and, and then pivoted to where now I only do online marketing. And, uh, and, and I teach that to real estate investors and how to get online. And I think, you know, I always say that the best advice I can give anybody is always, uh, you know, I think that learning how to learning the skill of online marketing is also an invaluable skill because no matter what happens, no matter what platform you're on, 
It's like learning the language of real estate. You know, the basics of real estate is you know how to do a contract. And no matter what strategy you use, that is a strategy that applies across the way from, you know, whatever niche you're in. So I'm a big, you know, from a mindset perspective, I'm always looking for what is that valuable skill that could serve as a foundation and a building block for other things that you might be involved with. Yeah, I think that is, uh, it's cool to see the progression, right? And for you guys out there who are listening, think to yourself, well, hey, someday I want to be like Chris or someday I want to be like so-and-so. It doesn't all happen overnight. It builds, right? You jumped in with a mentor. You chose to not make a lot of money there, but you wanted to get that experience and that experience ended up leading you to being one of the go-to people in this specific niche of virtual wholesaling, right? Virtual investing. So I think that it's it's amazing to see how that's come together. What markets are you uh, focused on yourself or are you putting 99% of your time into helping other people make sure that they can get their businesses, you know, to exactly the place they need to be on the virtual front. So I do two things. Number one is that from, I don't have my own internal, what what I do is I have specific partners that I work with and I generate Mm -hmm. leads for them and I take a percentage of the deal rather than me. It's a decision. You know, some people build out a real estate business where they have a team and they have, and and they have, uh, they're, they're managing the whole entire spectrum of the business. For me, I, it's not something that really juices me. And so for me, I'd rather uh, generate the leads. I pass them on to other partners and I get a percentage of those deals and I stay inside of my wheelhouse. Cause that's, I think that's very important for people to know is where are your strengths? What is it that you like to do? And then I also teach other real, teach real estate investors really how to get started with uh, online advertising and specifically Facebook. Uh, um, like I said, once you learn one platform, you learn them all. I think Facebook is the easiest platform to learn. And, and that's, you know, one of my focuses is on teaching real estate investors how to get online. And um, for me, I always, I, I get excited whenever, if I can take you from zero, never knowing anything about Facebook, except what's on your phone, helping you put some ads together and getting your first deal. For me, that's, uh, that's, that's exciting for me because now I've opened up your world because now you have a capability now that now can take you further. Yeah, well, it's it's so important for us to figure out what is going to be our niche, right? And 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 understanding what those strengths are, right? Because uh, for somebody, they might say, "Hey, well, my niche is flipping, or my niche is single family, or my niche is you know this specific market of Raleigh, North Carolina." But what you've done is you've actually gone a niche within a niche, and you've said, "Hey, I'm going to figure out how do I find leads for people who are doing, you know." direct to seller marketing and how do I be a part of their system? That way you can do just your, your, uh, your best, your best work. And how do you go about figuring out what that strength is? If somebody doesn't know where should they start to start figuring out, Hey, this is the stuff I really need to be doing. And this is stuff I don't. Cause I think a lot of people are unconfident about that feeling of, well, where are my strengths? Yeah, I mean, a good. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Colby Index. Colby uh, Index, you, uh, you could take a, a, that test. Uh, a few other ones do the same thing. Um, I think the first thing is understanding how you work. So, you know, it, I, I'm not a big fan of, of, say, going with your passion. You go with, uh, you know, hopefully there's an intersection of passion and opportunity, but I think opportunity is better, number one. And then what you have to do is you have to figure out how you best, how you best work inside of that opportunity. So for me... My, I'm very mechanical, you know, in a Kobe test, 
I am a high researcher, you know, and high fact finder, which means is that uh, I'm like a battleship. If you told me, hey, I got a great idea, I'm going to research the crap out of that idea, figure out all the nooks and crannies, and then I'm going to organize it. And then finally, I'm going to take action. And that's great for me. Sometimes, uh, you know, so you have to figure out how you work best. And so for me, I applied that to the real estate. And so for me, because of my nature, I became good at marketing. And I always say that, you know, for me, that that's the thing that I'm really great at is, is becoming, you know, I became great at marketing. And uh, I look at that as, as I don't like to say, my best advice is to be more methodical of figuring out how you like to work. And so those tests like the Kobe index, um, I'm trying to think about the other ones that are available, this profile, to try to get an understanding, okay, how is my, how do I like to work? How do I like to approach things? And then figure out then what is the best opportunity out there? And now how is it that I can best work inside of that opportunity? And who are the other ones that I need inside of that opportunity? So then that way I can fully take advantage of it. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes so, it makes so much sense. So it's really kind of like using some of these tools like the disc, like Colby, like many of the other personality profiles out there to understand what are some of those areas that you're naturally strong at. And then, you know, looking at it and saying, hey, do I agree with this? Does, does this feel like this is in my sweet spot? And I think something that is pretty controversial is this whole idea of passion versus opportunity. But talk to me a little bit more about that. Obviously, what you're really saying, it sounds like, is that opportunity is more important than something you're passionate about because if you're good at it, maybe you'll develop some of that passion or, you know, well, I, mean, I think you, you, could, you could, every opportunity, you know, for example, if you think about, uh, I'll use me as an example. So I have done more deals through others than I have myself. So, but that means is that even when I got started in real estate investing within about six months, I realized that I don't want to talk to any more sellers or buyers. It's just not for me. And this was back in 2005 ish when even back then there was no acquisitions managers and all that other stuff that we have right now mm -hmm. in the industry. So I ended up going out and getting a bunch of friends of mine that were interested in making money. They were handing all the calls for the sellers. And then what I was doing is I was doing what I did best, which is I put the back end systems in place. I was doing the marketing. I had everything down running and then they were handing all the leads and, and dealing with all that stuff. And so for me, I looked at it as, okay, this is a great opportunity. I know that I don't like to, you know, if you, if I'm, you don't want to give me seller leads, they will sit at my desk and they will rot away. And they would just, you know, so, so I just figured out, okay, this is, this is okay. This is how I work. And so how is it that I can, I can get somebody else to help me with that. Initially when that happened though, it, it was, it was by luck. It wasn't because uh, a lot of times what ends up happening is that uh, you can end up beating up yourself by, because you say, well, gee, I should be a better salesperson. I should follow up with people. Look at you, Chico. You're such a, you're such a dimwit. You should be, you know, a better salesperson. And then, um, and then, and then at the end, it, it, it's a negative uh, thing versus you understanding, or oh, this is how I work. I'm perfectly okay with the fact that I'm horrible at follow-up and horrible at sales, but that's just me. And, I'm, and you have to be willing to accept that. So I think that the, that those, it's a combination of using those to kind of uh, uh, put your, uh, uh, give you the right filter. Uh, going back to your initial question is I just focus on what's the opportunity and what's the way, how I like to work, how can I apply that into this opportunity and then to get others to be able to help me with the other parts of it. Hmm. Just figuring out what that leverage is so that you can just focus on that sweet spot, you know, and, and really get get the job done. That makes a lot yeah. of sense.
Yeah, because in our industry, like, for example, I have no desire and I know that I would be horrible at it for me to, say, build a sales team and have like five or six guys that I'm uh, guys or gals that I'm managing. Uh, they're making calls to sellers and everything else. That's not me. You know, so for me, uh, understanding that and not feeling bad about it, being I'm a perfect OK with that because that's not the business that I want to run. I want to run another type of business. And that's perfectly fine with me. And then somebody else who wants to do that, that's perfectly fine for them. You know, so you have to figure out where, where your sweet spot lies inside of that opportunity. Hmm. I can definitely appreciate that. What do you think are some of the big misconceptions people have when they're thinking about maybe going into virtual wholesaling or virtual investing that they really need to be able to overcome? All every, regardless if it's virtual wholesaling, any other opportunity, I think it always begins with mindset, right? Because uh, it's, it's many times we, uh, we do or don't do what we believe ourselves are capable of, right? And so then uh, with virtual wholesaling specifically, um, many times it's, it's uh, I think that a combination of people put obstacles in front of them when they're, they're either not even there at that point in time or they're, uh, they're completely illegitimate. Uh, I'm a big fan of a concept called just-in-time learning. For, for example, if you and I are starting together and I was coaching you on becoming a real estate investor and then uh, you haven't done anything and you ask me, hey, I wanna know how to read a HUD statement. And I will tell you, there's no reason for you to learn how to read a HUD statement because haven't, we haven't even gotten to the first step. That's all the way at the end. So I'm a big fan of just-in-time learning. A lot of times people uh, work on, uh, they like just-in-case learning, you know, absorbing a bunch of information. And so I'm a fan of just whatever's in front of you, uh, your next step you focus on. And then at the same time is the other part of, part of it is just, um, a lot of it is just, uh, it's mindset and it's, trouble, it's hard to troubleshoot mindset because I always say that it's always hard to be your own doctor. Because I think that that's where uh, one of the things that perhaps has held me back over the last couple of years is because I tried to be my own doctor. You always need somebody from an outside perspective that'll say, you know, Chico, I can't believe that you're such an idiot doing this. How could you even, and I'm like, well, I don't know. It sounds like a good idea, but you need something, you need an outside person. And so I think that the other part of it is, uh, I think, outside counsel to be able to guide you and let you and push you to ignore all your limiting beliefs and all the gunk that's happening in your head. Uh, because you, you're you're too you're, you're too uh, uh, deep into the forest to realize uh, any of that stuff. Yeah, people get caught up on that, Chico. And I know that when I was getting started, I was really caught up on that front where I thought, hey, I can figure it all out on my own. All this information is available. There's a plethora of it out there. I don't need anybody else to show me the way or anybody to be able to call me call me on this. You know, what do you think? What would you say to those people who say, hey, I can't afford to spend, you know, a hundred or a thousand dollars or 10,000 on coaching because, well, I just don't have the money or I don't want to spend the money on that. Well, there's a difference between you don't have it and you don't want to spend. You don't want to spend is, is, is a, there's, there's a confidence issue and the confidence issue could be two things. Number one is you're not confident in the person that you're talking to about coaching. And that could, you know, that could be very, very well fixed by you potentially going out and talking with a few people and figuring that out. Uh, it could be that you're not confident about your own self, right? Because a lot of times, you know, we might say, Hey, uh, uh, you know, you, you could, you could have a lot of negative self-talk that says, Oh, you know what? I'm not even going to get started. Cause I know that whenever I get involved with anything like that, then I always end up not following through. And, you know, you know, so you have all this negative self-talk that happens. I think that, you know, I, I pay a lot of money for coaches. If I told you, uh, I pay, I, I pay a significant amount of money. So, you know, I think it's significant on a monthly basis for a coach. And that helps me like 
I would say you pay, when you pay, you pay attention. And to me, the amount of, uh, I, I, I come in uh, to my coaching calls with my coach fully prepared. I listen to what he has to say. If he was doing it for free, I probably wouldn't listen. Um, so I think that um, there's a certain uh, amount of accountability that happens. And for everybody, it's different, right? For me, I pay a certain amount of money. That may not be feasible for you, but maybe for you, it's, hey, if you have to spend $500 a month for coaching, that would really stretch you. You know, it's all relative. But I, I'm a big fan of, of having counsel. Uh, not just, and I'm a fan of uh, many times I've had three coaches at the same time because I've had one for mindset, one for business, one for this. And so I'm, I'm more in the mindset of accelerating success. I'd rather, you know, if you have a course for sale, I'd rather say, Hey, can I pay you two grand and just have an hour? And then you just shortcut everything I need to know. And I don't have to spend, you know, two hours, you know, uh, 10, 15 hours going through this course. But I, I think that's also a, a habit and a muscle that you build up. The muscle of investing and putting yourself in that situation, it gets, you know, it, it just builds that muscle. So I would say a coaching could be also be, it doesn't have to be one-on-one. -on -one. It could be that you buy somebody's information and now they're your coach. You know, you could buy Tony Robbins program. He's your coach. He's not coaching you directly, but you made that investment. You maybe stretch your finances, but now you're going to pay attention. So there's various degrees of it, but I would say that um, success it, there's never one thing. And I think that that's the problem. Everybody's always looking for one thing. You know, if I only had in real estate, if I only had this list, or if I only had this postcard and I would say it's always a combination of things that come together, you know, the exam and also in the right recipe. So if you were to come to my house and I said, I'm going to cook you a steak dinner and I went ahead and I had the, the steak and I had the seasonings and everything else. And I cooked it for you. I took, I put it in the oven, took it out. And then I gave it to you to eat. And you'd be like, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Chico. I like it. But now mm -hmm. if I had, if, if I had Gordon Ramsay come to my house and he cooked the steak for you and he took the same exact ingredients and he took the steak and the seasonings and then you got it and you put it in your mouth and you're like, you fainted because it was so good, right? What makes the difference, right? It was the same ingredients. And so I think that it's, 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 that's what makes it difficult is because it's not only, it's never one thing, it's always a combination of things, but it's always a combination of all those things coming together in the right way, in the right recipe that will create success. And if you try to do that on your own, then uh, you eventually will get it, but you're going to go through a lot of pain, suffering, and a much longer period of time in order to get to where you want to be. Mm. Yeah. If you ever end up getting there at all and not giving up along the way, because right. you know, it can happen, right? It's, it's hard to stay in the pocket. And sometimes you get on a call, I get on a call with my coach. I had one right before this and my whole mindset about the whole week. And I focus on mindset all the time. But this person was able to see things that I wasn't and be able to break through. So I think that's really powerful. You talked a lot about success. Let us know, how would you define success? What is success to you? Uh, success for me is progress. That's, you know, I mean, that's, that's how I measure success. You know, moving forward, uh, I think just progress. You know, I think that that's, that should be success for everybody. Because if you, if you, you know, as long as I'm, I have a goal in mind and as long as I'm moving forward uh, toward that goal and I'm progressing, then to me, that's success. And so that's my definition of success. Mm, that is a, that's a great definition. And with that definition, do you feel successful? Yes. I always feel successful because I'm making progress every day. Mm, I like to hear that, Chris. I like to hear that. What are some of your keystone habits, the things you do on a daily or weekly basis that have led to some of that success? I'm more methodical about things. So for me, let's say about keystone habit is I look at 
my utilization of time, right? And so uh, number one is I always plan the night before, look at my schedule and look at my, my things to do. And I figure out what are the most three most important things. Uh, number two, I'm a fan of the phrase, if, if it's not on your schedule, it doesn't exist. So if you tell me, hey, Chico, I'm committed to, to working out every day. And I say, well, show me your schedule. When are you going to work out? And if there's nothing there, then I say, well, you don't have a plan to work out. You just have a, a hope and a dream to work out. And so I'm more methodical in the sense that uh, I don't tend to be goal-oriented. Goal I tend to be process-oriented, right? So in other words, so for me, the keystone habit of trying to put everything in my calendar, uh, trying to block everything out, every single minute of the day is blocked out, including dinner time, dinner with the family, et cetera. So I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of working out and, and, and staying physically fit. Uh, and having that be an important part of, of the of the of the process, I have a, a, a gym here at the house, and so uh, my wife is here home with the kids. So every day, uh, lately at uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, we work out. So I have that in my schedule, and uh, I also am not a fan of the. And I did a video on this today. I'm not a fan of the. Oh, I'm going to get up at four o'clock in the morning. I'm going to do my meditation, and then I'm going to write in my journal, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and then ten o'clock rolls around, and you're exhausted from all the. They have all the things you do. There's nothing wrong with that if you want to do that. I'm more of a, look, you figure out the three things you got to get done, figure out the most important thing, get up in the morning, have your cup of coffee. If you don't drink coffee, then you're an alien. I don't know who you are, but I drink my coffee, drink two cups of coffee, and then I get right to work. And then I work out in the afternoon, kind of like once, but I'm in the, you know, I'm going to get to work. So for me, I'm highly disciplined, highly process-oriented um, and process-driven. And, and, and you got to figure out what works best for you. So I'm more regimented. Uh, the example I could give you is I've been trying to work out forever. Uh, recently, I, I kind of fell off the wagon and I, and I would go to the gym and I couldn't, you know, uh, uh, oh, let me do this and I'll do this. And then recently, uh, last couple of months, I've been better at it only because now I have a, a specific plan. Like I'm going to work out these days. This is what I'm going to do. So to me, I think that even though you may not be as anal retentive as me, I think that everybody would benefit from some certain level of discipline and, 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 and a regimented schedule that lays out specifically what you're looking to get accomplished and when you're going to get accomplished it. Because again, if it's not in your schedule, it doesn't exist. Yeah, that discipline equals freedom is so true. And it's like, if you don't have it scheduled and you don't honor the schedule, most of the time, the stuff doesn't happen. If you're not able to track what you're doing and doing it with yeah. some kind of purpose and process, then it's kind of like, well, what's the point of even thinking about doing it if you're not going to commit to yourself to actually make it happen? I agree. I agree. And then also the last thing I was going to mention is building your commitment muscle. Uh, meaning that I think for most people, they're weak at making commitments to themselves and keeping them. So mm -hmm. if you think about it, if you make a commitment to yourself and then you're in the habit of not keeping your commitments, then you're unwilling to make bigger commitments. So in other words, if, if I know that when I make a commitment to myself or somebody else that I'm going to follow it, come hell or, or high, you know, it doesn't matter what happens, then little by little, I'm building up that commitment muscle where then I'm going to make bigger and bigger commitments in terms of my goals and aspirations and everything else. And so that's the other thing is always constantly working on uh, keeping your own internal commitments, which then help you make bigger commitments to yourself and to others and with regards to your goals. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. Well, we've made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. Tell us, Chris, what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now? I'm excited about Straight Line Leadership by a guy whose name I cannot pronounce. Really great book. Uh, he studied uh, Landmark 
uh, education and, and the book is a derivative of that, but it's a really great book. Uh, I'm really uh, I, I liking the book, going through it right now and highly recommend it for anyone. Inspiration. What impacts have mentors made on your life and how do you recommend others go and find mentors? That mentors have had in my life is just allowing me to uh, think differently than, than the way I'm perceiving things. I think it's, it's a perception issue many times, right? So a mentor helps you see your problem in a different way, which then removes the obstacles that perhaps may be standing in your way. And how do you look at going out and finding great mentors? I'm just open. I'm always looking. I'm always looking. I'm always looking. It's almost like as if, if you had a company, I tell you, like when you have a company, they say, when is the best time to hire? There's never best time to hire, but you're always looking for talent. You're always looking for talent. So that's how I look at it is I'm always looking for mentors. Like I'm walking around with my wallet in my hand looking for another one, right? Because I want that because I know that it's a shortcut to success. So uh, I'm always looking. I, I like that. Me too. Me too. Yes. So if, <laughs> yes, you got to keep your eyes open for those folks. And finally, finishing on this purpose, what drives you to live your best life every day? I, I just think it's progress. You know, you know, like uh, to me, it's, it's uh, what drives me is uh, I'm a curiously, I'm a naturally curious person. Um, and so I'm always ingesting information and ideas uh, the, uh, Reed Hoffman, who uh, created Priceline, he has a great concept that he uh, talks about idea sponging, which is uh, idea sponging is how he came up with Priceline because he looked at the produce industry and he looked at expiring bananas. And after the banana was rotten, then you couldn't sell it. And he said, well, gee, that's the same thing that happens with an airplane. When the door closes, then the seat is no longer available. That means it expired. So you have to apply the same principles for, uh, for bananas into the airline industry. And so that's one of the things that I think have helped me because I, I, I know a lot about a lot of things. And a lot of times you bring in all those disciplines. So for me, I get excited by learning and learning new things and figuring out new things and then, and then making progress on those things. That's, that's really what my, 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 what my joy is. Progress, such a beautiful thing to finish on. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Where can people find out more about you or get in touch? Uh, they can go to, uh, they can Google me uh, and uh, Google will tell you where I'm at. You can it'll find my YouTube channel. You can go to virtualwholesaling.com. You can go to virtualwholesaling.com, but just Google my name and uh, you, you can uh, get to my YouTube channel and uh, Google will let you know exactly where I am. Great. And we'll include all that in the show notes as well. So thank you so much, Chris. Definitely appreciate this. And a reminder, you guys, I'll leave you the same way I always leave you. You know, live a life worth inspiring others, and you can do so today by applying some of the strategies that Chris and I talked about right here in your life and moving forward in the right direction. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 